Well, hello there. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the How to Wow podcast, another special pop-up edition today starring none other than the guy who made the iPod and then the iPhone. Yes, that's the actual iPod and the iPhone. His name is Tony Fidel, with over 300 patents now to that name. Tony has influenced the way we now live our lives on planet Earth. How crazy is that? His brilliant brand-new book, Build... An unorthodox guide to making things worth making is out now, and he'll be along in just a second to tell us all about it. But first, every morning, Tash, my wife, and I go scoop da loop with one heap scoopful of this all round nutritional insurance, which is made up of no less than 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood, scientifically researched and blended together to support and improve energy, recovery, immunity, and digestion. Deep seaweed green, like nature itself. This eye candy concoction takes just a few seconds, like no more than five or six, okay, ten tops, to prepare and taste absolutely gorgeous. And so, here's how you can get yours. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow and join health experts, athletes and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow. Okay, and don't forget slash how to wow because this will entitle you to the special deal Athletic Greens have given how to wow listeners. A free year's supply of vitamin D and five travel free packs today to take with you on the go. Once again, Athletic greens.com slash don't forget how to wow all right thanks to the ag gang time now to hear from the mastermind behind the ipod and the iphone mr tony fidel Good morning. Wow. High energy. This is great. Uh, how are you? Great. Great, so, Chris. Born in 1969. Uh, that's how the book kicks off after your intro. Build an unorthodox guide to making things worth making. And you just had to have your first computer uh, in 1981 at the age of 12. What was it? How could you afford it? Uh, so uh, first computer was an Apple II. And I afforded it by my grandfather said he'd match all the funds I'd make uh, for the summer. So I was a caddy for a summer and I worked my butt off. And the computer was like $2,500 in 1981. It was crazy. So my my grandfather matched me, and I got my my love of my life for that time of you know, Okay, life. and it was a brown computer, overtly brown. Um, do you still have it? I, I absolutely oh do goodness still have me. it. Is it worth more than that now or less? No, no, it's worth less. It's, it's like a collector's item or something It's not like one that. of those very rare ones, no. Okay, do you have a super rare one? Do you have computer memorabilia at home? Oh, absolutely. Lots of what stuff. What kind of stuff do you have? Well, I have early iPod stuff. Of course but, you do. Yeah. But, but no. I have things that are just uh, all old Apple II stuff, like tablets for the Apple II, where you could actually write, and I have things that would generate sound and right. music, like all this crazy stuff. <laughs> like you, you had to be a real, real geek to have it. Tony, it's really exciting to talk to you. I mean, this is Tony Fidel, who made the iPod, and then, as if that wasn't enough, he made the iPhone. All right, so what happened between 1969 and 1981 that made you fall in love with computers? Uh, well, it was really, I just took a summer school class. Right. So I took a summer school class, I think it was in grade five, and it was, there was no displays involved. It was literally a paper terminal. Paper, I would write on paper, like little cards, and you would bubble them, and I would put them into a machine, it would read them, and then it would spit out on paper the thing I would do. And literally, I was like, there's this crazy thing, I didn't even see the machine, because the machine was somewhere else. And it was a mini computer, and I was just making this thing do what I wanted it to do. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And 
I didn't know what else to do. I was just like, and I just fell in love. I don't know why. It was just, that's how my brain works. Okay, that was your true nature, I suppose. Yes. Um, when, you, when you meet people who don't know what you do and they say, you know, uh, what do you do or what did you do or what have you done? What's it like to say, I made the iPod and the iPhone? Uh, it's, it's humbling to me, really. I just, I think I'm like, thank you. You know, I, 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 I had suffered for 10 years of just complete failure. You know, I was working really, really hard doing similar things, but they never really amounted to anything, um, uh, you know, except for geek stuff. But to say that you did that and you go and you pinch yourself going after all of this adversity, you're like, oh, my God, thank you. You know, it's just it was just really nice because I had always hoped I always wanted to be successful, but I didn't know that that would be like that. Well, this book is brilliant. I read it yesterday uh, from cover to cover. Build an orthodox um, guide to making things worth making. Um, and it's brilliant because it's it's semi-biographical. Um, it's technical, but it's 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 um, it's in a vernacular that anyone, even me, can understand. And then it turns into this guide, you know, halfway through of how to build a company, and it's so interesting because you know one of the one of the things you point out, and I've come across this, and people who I know and love have come across this. You get really good at what you do, and then somebody says, "You're so good at this. We want you to lead a department in this." And that 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 moment, you go, "Oh, this is such an honor," and you're so flattered, and you say yes because you react and you don't respond, and you take the job, and then the next day you stop doing what you're good at yeah exactly everyone's like oh you're gonna just keep doing what you're doing and you're gonna actually do a totally different job and most of the time you're not even trained to do it you're gonna be running people instead of your own imagination exactly and all of a sudden the thing that you're best at you're not gonna do at all you have to watch other people do it and you're like oh and you just feel like a beginner all over again so there's tips in here i mean super super hacks from this guy um about building a team building a company how to spot a good idea um uh you also because you're so wonderful (laughs) at the beginning of the book uh, you you give us all a guide on how you can read this book you can read it straight through from beginning to end you can poke around to find the advice and stories that are most interesting primarily for you you can follow the see also link sprinkled throughout the book which are really really useful so when when um, tony talks about something uh, that is also mentioned in the book further on he then brackets that and says oh by the way if you're if you're now hooked on this and you want more of this juice straight away then go to this next page which is all fantastic but because you give a guide on how to read the book we've only got half an hour can you give me a guide on how to interview you because i don't want to miss out the really important <laughs> questions and by the way i promise you i've read the book cover to cover you know i mean i want a bit of steve's job juice of course i sure, do sure. I I don't know about the early um, iPod. I don't know about you conceiving it, you know, for those... Because it was it was incub- in its incubation period in your mind for those 10 years where you were failing all the time and then we get to Nest and your ski chalet and all that kind of stuff. Um, so g- give us a bit of Steve Jobs juice, first of all. Uh, I think the, the big Steve Jobs stuff is really about, um, you know, telling a story. Right. It's about telling right. why. So first of all, how well did you know Steve Jobs? Uh, I worked for him for 10 years. I We would talk, he would call on a Sunday morning, you know, that kind of thing. So you, you know, it was all a professional relationship. You really relationship. knew him because yeah. people look up to him. You work for him and with him and you did things for him. And he also one day, you know, he phoned you up to almost beg you not to leave the company as well. So you, well, you had a very close relationship with him. I, a, a close relationship. You know, he was there and, you know, uh, actually when we were pregnant, like 
took me on a walk to help, uh, you know, say, here's what it's about like to have your first kid. And let me tell you how it changed my life and how I think about so kids. So the human side of jobs. Yeah, de definitely we'd had the human side, but we had a lot of professional discussions, both fun and some some very heated, okay. but they were really great. So so sorry to, to, to sit on this. And I know that you, you may be asked about this more than, than you particularly care for, but just give us two minutes of what was he like? Are oh, the myths true? Are oh, the rumors true? Give us a, a, a sense check him if you don't mind. Well, but. I think the big thing is, you know, we hear a lot in the popular press about how Steve was like a real tyrant and really that's not true. And that's there's a whole chapter called Assholes in the book. Yeah. I don't know if I can say yeah. that. Well, you just didn't. It's fine. <laughs> Arseholes. And literally... No, you, can't, uh, you actually can't say that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that's the bad thing. You can say assholes, but you definitely can't say assholes. Okay, well, okay. there you have so it. So I apologize for both of us there. And uh, let's continue with the Steve Jobs story. <laughs> so anyway, so so literally you had to know the intent and the purpose. And in that that chapter in the book, it's all about what is your what's your intent. Mm. And if it's about your ego and you're treating people and trying to push them down to get your ego, then that's a true one. If you are literally doing it on mission-based, you're not bullying anyone, you're really pushing people to do their best, then you're mission-driven, and then you're getting into the real details. And most people don't know the stories about Steve and being really mission-driven and saying, we need to get this right, we're not working hard enough, work harder on this, we gotta get it right. Because if we don't, the customer's gonna suffer. Yeah. That's what the magic was of Steve, and that's what I watched him do. And and really got more confidence in being that way. Okay, and you, you cite in the book, uh, you know, he used to walk into various meetings and basically destroy um, and the, the, the sort of uh, stream of consciousness that was going on and was wrong, and he used to leave that meeting and you or somebody who knew him really well would say, yeah, no, he's, guys, relax, he's definitely wrong about this, but don't worry because in two days he'll be right about something else. Yes, I would say sanity will prevail. That's the one <laughs> thing after over, you know, years and years you'd go, oh, look, yeah, that's a crazy decision. We can go back if we have enough data and everything to push back and we'll get sanity will prevail so you know it was just how it worked and and it's great because a lot of times he was in he had incredibly great ideas and other times they weren't yeah. but that's okay if you don't have bad ideas you're not probably pushing hard enough to get the good yeah, ideas yeah if you don't fail every day you're not trying hard enough. exactly things like that exactly and sometimes we can give ourselves a day or a week or a month off from trying too much he wasn't great at holidays was he steve jobs uh he when he went on holiday it was holiday from his day-to-day -day work so he could think about the future of what he was going to be working on and what we were all going to be working on so you know after about 48 hours 72 hours it was constant calling because he was on to some new idea and was like we're gonna go here with the company and we're gonna make these kinds of products so we actually we didn't like when he went on vacation because we had to work harder we had to do our normal job yeah, plus yeah. work on all of these new things that, oh. he, that we, he was thinking about and that we could like help him with yeah you so know. Uh, you, you were asked I'm sure on many occasions is there anything worse than Steve in a bad mood yep Steve on holiday <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really testing uh, but he was a great storyteller and you cite the most famous pitch of the iPhone uh, which had a twist in its tail more than one twist in its tail it was a fantastic pitch a fantastic launch wasn't it oh yeah it was it, well people called it the Jesus phone like it was behind glass no one even touched it no one even can try it but everyone was like whoa what is this and they could see because he had crafted that story and we had been working to to make the the device be like that story to be that internet 
entertainment and communications device in your pocket at all times and make it really simple. He delivered, we all delivered on that message, but when it came out, it resonated because there were so many people had to either had to carry an iPhone, a mobile phone and their laptop to get all of those things done. Yeah. All of those things combined together in your hand. Hmm. That was the magic and people understood it. And that just, it resonated and, you know, and it was why the iPhone is the way it is today. And the clever riff in the launch was, you call it the Jesus phone, but the clever riff was the Holy Trinity because when he started the the pitch, um, everybody thought, oh, they're launching, you know, Apple today are launching three new products. (laughs) And the the killer, the clincher, the punchline was about, yes, we're, we're launching all these three products, but within one handset. In, yeah, w- within your hand, in your pocket. Wow. You know, and it was similar to the same thing of a thousand songs in your pocket for iPod, yeah. right? It was so powerful. It resonated that people were like, I got to have it. So much so that it became like black market currency, both mm. iPods as well as iPhones on the market because there was only available in the US. Yeah. So people were smuggling them out into Hong Kong, into China, all over the world to use these things. It was crazy. So you're disrupting the market. You all talk about, uh, you, you talk about firewalling disruptive products in as much as you reference Elon Musk and Tesla and you say other people can now play catch up by making EVs as good as him but his whole production process his battery plants you're going to have to disrupt that also and he's created such a network of disruption good luck out there yeah exactly he you know he's built moat upon moat including the charging stations moat, too that's what they call it, isn't it? yeah the yeah. moat moat after moat after moat yeah. right so you can't just innovate on one area you have to keep going just think about the iPhone right it's not just the iPhone it's also the Apple services that come with it right so hardware software services plus all the apps yeah that is you know if you go to a, a, a typical Android phone all you get is the hardware yeah. and then you have to work on with all kinds of other companies so it's a disjointed experience and the other thing about like Google or Apple or Microsoft is that they were initially you know of course they were the punks of their day they were disruptors but then they become so big almost too comfortable for themselves and then they have to they have to sort of have a disruption division sort of rebels within their own for their own cause within their own community exactly you you always have to challenge yourself because if you're not leapfrogging yourself Someone else is going to leapfrog so you, right? Do, though, it's it, it's a never-ending treadmill in tech, in most businesses, but in tech, it's faster than ever, and everybody's competing. So you have to, like, we had to cannibalize ourselves with the iPod. Yeah, yeah. The iPod was finally Apple was finally getting into a successful state. It had been in a tremendously bad state for 10, 15 years. Yeah iPod brought it into into reality for Apple being starting to be the Apple we know it today, but then the iPhone had to eat the iPod. Yeah. So we had to get rid of the successful business wow. that was finally found to meet the iPhone. Media babies. And exactly. You know, within this sort of this sort of blinding glow of what the success of the iPod and, and the iPhone, you know, I think now because of that, you know, a sort of Orwell, Orwellian-esque rewritten Apple's history in my own mind with the, with the Mac, because the Mac wasn't that successful as a laptop, 2% of the market. Well, yeah, it was oh, and only the US yeah there was no retail I, it only I was think one that was like, I think like the most popular computer ever just because of perception right exactly if you went into airport lounges and train lounges back in the uh, early uh, early 2000s it was all PCs there was not a Mac to be found it's now <laughs> totally flipped 20 yeah. years later yeah. but it wasn't like that I know you look like an oddball <laughs> when you had an Apple computer back in 2000 2001 not anymore not it's the anymore. way around okay so let's get back to 
to the incubation of the iPod in your mind. So when did what was the first idea that you, you conceived or dreamt about, you know, or came to you as you're walking in the park or whatever, however your ideas come to you, you know, or come through you that ended up being the iPod? Well, it really started when I was at Philips Electronics. So I was building a division of Philips and I was making these little handhelds, kind of similar to the Palm Pilot back then. And we were the first device, it was the Philips Nino, and we were the first device to do audible books. So literally audible spoken word audiobooks. What year was this? This was 1980, 1997. Wow. 1997, 1998. And I was like, wait a second. And I was a DJ at the time. So I was lugging all these CDs around. And I was like, <laughs> this thing's doing audio. Well, maybe it's going to do music. And yeah, I was yeah. like, could I have all of my music in this little handheld thing? Just so, like I have my audiobook. Once again, me search is the key, isn't it? Not research, but me search. Oh, yeah, I like that term. I haven't. That's a great term. Absolutely. Me search or we search is the way forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I was killing my pain. The pain yeah. of backbreaking carrying CDs. All right, let's fast forward to that. So you talk in the book about you can come up with a vitamin or a painkiller. Exactly. And it's, you really want to be coming up with a painkiller. Oh, you absolutely. Look, people don't have to buy vitamins. They don't have to consume vitamins. You're like, do they work? Sort of they, sort of they do, sort of they don't, whatever. But painkillers, people need painkillers. Yeah. And hopefully if you can take painkillers, and it's not a painkiller that you're, you're killing the pain every day, but it's a, it becomes a superpower. Yeah. Something that gives you much more, you know, a, a literal uh tools that you never thought you could have yeah. right and make it simple so as much as we cite the fact we miss our walls of vinyl and those amazing gatefold you know vinyl uh, designs from the 1670s led zepp albums and, oh. and then cds as much as we claim to miss them well we do when they're at our own convenience and we have the luxury and the space to to enjoy them but actually we want your juice, and, and that's where you were heading. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the nostalgic, and I have vinyl too. I still collect vinyl, but at the end of the day, when you're on the go, you want to have everything you want, all your music with you, right? That's where we have all these great streaming services. So to me, you know, we always want to sit, to take not just the pain away, but give that superpower something they've never seen before and go, oh my God. Then they tell all their friends, go check this out. You gotta, you gotta see this. You gotta, I, you know, and they feel like they're, they have something that the world's never seen before. So were Apple aware that the savior had just walked through the gates the first day you turned up for work? Excuse me, sorry? Were Apple aware that the Savior had just oh, walked through the gate? Oh, yeah, come on. No, 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 no. Tony, <laughs> you, you invented the iPod, man. Yeah, come on. <laughs> the whole company <laughs> still hangs its clothes on that horse. Get, guess what? It takes a team. You know, I had a... But you put the team together. I, I got it, but it still takes a team, and I don't want to take anything no, away from them. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's just amazing to, you know, again, I pinch myself and yeah. go, oh, my God. But, you know, I'm only... As as good as the thing I just did or the future that I'm working on. And I really care about the future and I, I really care about, you know, climate change and all the amazing people making yeah. great things to but help us But you're still now. a very clever dude. All right, so, <laughs> so 19 iPods in. It's just been discontinued, hasn't it, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it was continued, yeah, about four weeks ago. Yeah. So I couldn't believe it was actually on sale still after 21 years. So yeah. to me, that was like, oh, okay, we're finally there. But look, the iPod might be gone, but it'll never be forgotten. Never, it's a cornerstone, totally. just like the Apple to the Mac and the iPhone wouldn't have happened without the iPod. So this is something that's going to live forever yeah. in history. And I just so proud.
proud that I got to be involved in both of those things. I was going to say, because, you know, you you would be more than allowed to take a bow and wander off into the sunset forever after coming up with the iPod, but then you stuck around uh, for the iPhone. You know, and if, if you're a band, second album syndrome, you've got to be careful with the second album, you right. know. <laughs> um, but you, you ever, and you emulated, you know, you majorly surpassed your, your first major um, success with the iPhone. So, so from the iPod to the iPhone in a minute, can you give us that... Uh, so so how, what happened? Yeah. So literally it was mobile phones were starting to adopt MP3 technology to play audio, right? right? And people only wanted to carry one device. Is it going to be a cell phone or is it going to be an iPod? Yep. And we're like, this successful business of iPod is going to go away because everybody wants more mobile phones. So we tried to partner with mobile phone companies. It was a dr dramatic failure. So decided we had to make our own. And at the time there was the touchscreen Mac that was being worked on. There was the video iPod full screen with a virtual interface and then an iPod plus phone, yeah. which was the literally the classic one that had a phone built into it. All three of those things came together and was was the basis of the what we know as the iPhone Do you iPhone remember the, mo the moment you or somebody else said, why don't we just put them all in one device? Yeah, because we had tried each one individually, known that they weren't going to work. Right. So, but we said, wait a second, if we take this, take this. It was literally, it came together like that. It um, was, it was crazy that was it all the, worked. What was the biggest bump in the road in that t technology journey? Everything. <laughs> We had to do an all new, all new semiconductors, all new. We had to build our own touchscreen technology. We had to build our own touchscreen oh factory. Goodness. We had to build all new software, all new apps. We had to work with carriers. We had never built a cell phone before. We had to build cameras into devices. We had never built cameras into things. Everything was new. It was an incredibly <laughs> huge project. That was the best answer to any question I've asked. I've been doing this for 40 years, right? What was the biggest bump in the road? Everything! Every, everything. It was insane. Mate, that's so cool. All right, let's get on to this sort of second uh, flavour of the book, which is about, you know, becoming successful yourself. Because you are now, um, not yourself, but oneself, uh, a very successful entrepreneur, investor, you're an advisor, you're a mentor. Just tell us about w the world you inhabit nowadays. Well, well, besides being on this book tour and, you know, being an author now for the first time, what I do is I invest in companies all around the world. So we right. have a company called Future Shape. We have 200 investments, direct investments in companies that help the climate, help societies and help health. Right. That's what we focus on. So disruptive technologies that I learned that if you have disruptive things like iPod and iPhone, you can unseat the incumbents, take down the big guys like we took down Nokia and Sony and all these things. We work with those incredibly brilliant brains helping the planet to, to do new things that the world's never seen. We were one of the first checks in this company called Impossible Foods. That was plant-based meat back in 2014. Now it's all the rage, but in 2014, people didn't really care. They're like, what's this crazy stuff? Now it's the thing. So we try to get into the stuff before it's going to change the world. And then the world sees what it is. We help them to, to get the world out, word out. And then... We hope to change the world for the better. Right. So one of the best, well, they're all, all the chapters are absolute killer. They're 10 out of 10 solid gold. Oh, um, thank you. No, but they really are. It's thank a, you. It's a, this book is fantastic. My thank son, you. who's 13, wants this book tonight from me. Oh, I have to sign one for him. Yeah. Outside, absolutely. Honestly, he knows all about you already. I, did, <laughs> I had so no cool. idea. He knew exactly who you were. Oh, wow. Cool. 13 years cool. old. And... Um, 
one of the one of the uh, sections of the book is how, how to spot a winner, how to spot a success, how to spot a decent product. Just give us a give us a minute on that. If you don't well, mind. I think one is about the story and the painkiller, which we talked about. But if you're trying to start something yourself, it it's an idea that chases you. Everybody has all these, you know, people have ideas and then they focus on one or more ideas. I try to run away from them because I get so many ideas. I want ones that are going to feed on my brain. They're like, unfortunately, viruses. They sit there and they go, oh, and think about this and think about that. And I can't get away from it. And that was Nest. Nest was something I couldn't get away from right. for 10 years. People may have heard of Nest. They may not. Um, the story of Nest is fantastic. Again, it's Me-Search. You're, you're the Me-Search king. You had, a ski, <laughs> you had a ski chalet. Good for you. I hope you still got it. Yes. And you and your wife used to go there. And it was too cold. And you thought thermostats what's going on with thermostats exactly like they're unloved they're ugly people hide <laughs> them and they but they 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 cost you half of your energy bill a year you don't even know how to use them and you're going to pay a thousand pounds per year to use it you're like wait a second why is this you know 20 pound device like so bad but i spend so much money so i said well let's invert it let's make it so it's beautiful something is easy to use and you're like cherish and you could actually save half of that money that's what it was all about and you could remotely control it so you could be comfortable and not waste the energy and not, and not hurt the planet i was like duh and guess what I, everybody said you're crazy tony like who's gonna do who a thermostat I was like, yeah, it matters. And all of a sudden, they became a gift under the Christmas tree. So, so we made them so nice that the people put them under a tree as a gift. So so what is Nest for people who don't know? So yeah, so Nest is a thermostat that is um, that you can remotely control from anywhere. It's a beautiful looking device. You can control it with your smartphone, turn it up or down, but it also saves money in your um, in your house, when you go away, it automatically turns down to a temperature, yeah. so you don't have to every time you leave the house so or simple. come to the house, it turns on automatically, turns off automatically based on when you're there. So it's like, duh, and it worked. It saved most people twenty to thirty five percent of their energy. And you sold it back to Apple, is that right? Sold it to to Google. Sorry, to Google. To okay. Google. Yeah. Um, it's funny because the thermostat world guys, they're going, yeah, we're fine, we're fine. We got the thermostat market for the next century, and they went, oh, unfortunately, Tony Fidel's on to you. What, the guy who came up with the iPod and the iPhone? Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing you know to, when you have a good idea is when the competition first laughs at you, yeah. then they get angry, yeah. and then they sue. Yeah. And that happened with iPod, iPhone, and even the thermostat. Yeah. We got sued for the thermostat. Well, you have a chapter called Get Lawyered Up, don't you? Yeah. Wow, you did. Re yes, yeah, it is. I read absolutely. It. I read it. I probably should read yeah, it. yeah, Get Lawyered Up for sure. Like, lawyers, you have to understand, there are amazing lawyers, but most of them, you know, just like most, most other professionals, you have to find the best of the best to help uh, you. Just fascinating to hear from Tony this morning. Lots of people texting the show. Paul in Tunbridge was. It is truly unbelievable when you zoom out and consider the success that Apple has had. I'm so glad to hear that I'm not the only one who used their holidays for a deep thinking session. Listen, it's fine to deep think on holiday. Just don't don't communicate your deep thoughts to people who are just glad you're away from the office for a fortnight for heaven's sake. <laughs> Kelly in Cumbria, please thank Tony for the best invention ever. My ancient iPod Classic gave up the ghost a few years ago, but my Nano is still going strong. Go, baby. Go, baby, go. <laughs> if Tim, one of Tim Ferriss' favourite questions to ask his guests is uh, if you could put one thing on a billboard, what would you put? Words. Um, I'm going to steal from him. I'm going to ask you that question now. Uh, don't fear failure. Embrace it. That's the only way to learn. Yeah, that's it. And uh, you start the, sh the, the book off, I was going to say, the show off. It is your show, your book, um, with talk of your heroes. Who were your heroes and why back when you were a little... Um, wet behind the ears, uh, enthusiastic teenager. Oh, for me, it was my grandfather. 
My grandfather started, he put power tools in my hands at four and five years old, much to the chagrin of my mom and my grandma who were like mortified, like they're gonna kill themselves, yeah. right? And my brother was because there with me. Because he had time, didn't he? He had time and he wanted to gift you that time. He was also an educator. He was a superintendent of a school system. So he knew what education and tools meant. That's yeah. why he helped me get my first computer as a tool. He saw it as the tool for the modern world. So literally he would, we would repair bikes and lawnmowers and we would build birdhouses and go gardening together and, and fix, you know, fix bathrooms and whatever. And literally it was so empowering because he would tell me, look, everything we see around us was made by humans. You're a human, yeah. you can repair it, you can make it, you can make new stuff, you can make it better. Don't be afraid. That was what was so amazing was at four or five years old. What was his name? His name was John. Still around? Or uh, unfortunately, no, he passed. died. He died about 15 years ago. All right, what a guy. Um, Tony, it's real honor to meet you. Oh, thank Pleasure you so much, Chris. To meet you. So cool. And there's this theory that technology, um, AI, you know, the ability, uh, the development of technology now doubles every 18 months. Would you agree with that? Is it an exponential? Will it, is it an infinitely exponential curve? I believe, yes. It, yes. It's exponential and it's getting faster all the time. Oh, so it's, so it's going to be quicker it, than it's, 18 months. It's quicker and quicker because we're getting people to innovate around the world because technology is spread around the world and there's brilliant people everywhere and problems to solve. And frankly, we need to do that for the climate crisis. All right. So you look at Apple, you look at Amazon, you look at um, Microsoft, you look at Google. Are they inevitably uh, Goliaths, uh, you know, uh, waiting for a David or will they go on and on from, from strength to strength? Well, I, I, I look at this, you know, everything goes through cycles in this in this world. And if and you have to have near death experiences to change to change yourself yeah. or to change a company. Otherwise, you just won't. You won't. So each of these companies have to go through near-death experiences to get there. Look at Microsoft now. Microsoft is back on top, and 10 years ago, it wasn't. It was like, go forget about it. Apple in 2001, Michael Dell said, wrap it up, give all the money back to the shareholders. Look where it is now. So you have to go through these cycles. Where are they, those companies, in that, in that wave? I think Apple is, you know, Apple is getting you know, close to the top. It needs to find a new top. But it's getting to the top because there's a lot of people have iPhones. But I think there's so much more to go. Um, I think Google needs to, it's going to have to figure out more and more because there's going to be more regulation put on it. So it's going to have to figure out some new ways of doing that. I think... I think Meta slash Facebook's already going through that moment. I don't think it's it's on the downward slope, but it's not necessarily had its near death experience. Microsoft went through that ten years ago. It's now on the definitely on the upswing. Amazon, I think, is now um, is at, near the top, and it's going to have to challenge itself to get past it. So each of them are just going through their cycles. Got it. Um, Tony, where are you going to next? When are you back in the States and Silicon Valley? And... So I live in Paris. So oh, I'm go- oh, you live in Paris? I live in Paris. Good I've been there six, six, seven years. Actually, that's my inspiration for where I got, I penned up Nest. So I designed Nest there. So I wanted to go back there after, you know, after being in the States for 46 years. Wow. It sounds like you got it sussed. Um, when was the last <laughs> time you made a mistake and what was it? Uh, let's see, made a mistake. Coming on this show. <laughs> no, without a doubt. <laughs> Miss made me make, make mistakes daily. If I, don't, if I don't, I'm not learning. All right, mate. Great to meet you. There we are, Tony Fidel. Now, that conversation took place a few days ago. However, his brain is so big, it's only just left the building. If you like that, don't forget to rate and review this episode and why not seek out more How to Wow wisdom from the likes of Susan Cain, Miles Teller, or even Arthur C. Brooks. Namaste, my friends. Namaste. Live life. Find joy. No love. Rate this podcast. Hurrah. Hurrah.